1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, December the 22nd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1941, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill he arrived in Washington for a wartime conference with President Franklin D. Roosevelt. Today in 1944, during the World War II Battle of the Bulge, U.S. Brigadier General Anthony McAuliffe received a official demand from Germany, demanding that he surrender. He read the demand, and in his official U.S. response, he wrote the words, nuts. That was it, nuts, and he sent it back to them. Today in 1989, Romanian President Nicola, we need more of those kinds of people in our military, don't we? Perhaps we do have a lot of them. Some of the People I see in front of cameras representing our military don't reflect those kinds of resolve and attitudes. Today in 1989, Romanian President Nicolae Ceausescu, he was the last of Eastern Europe's hardline communist rulers. He was toppled from power in a popular uprising while he was shot by his own people and his family as well, if I recall correctly. Today in 2001, Richard Reid... He was a passenger on American Airlines flight from Paris to Miami. He tried to ignite explosives in his shoes. Remember the shoe bomber? Didn't work out for him. He was subdued by flight attendants and several passengers. They held him until the authorities could, the plane could get on the ground and the authorities could come in and get read. He's serving a life sentence in federal prison. The shoe bomber did not succeed. Today, in 2003, a federal judge ruled the Pentagon couldn't enforce mandatory anthrax vaccinations for military personnel. Today, in 2010, President Barack Obama signed a law allowing gays, for the first time in history, to serve openly in America's military. That was, they repealed the don't ask, don't tell policy of Bill Clinton. Five years ago today, the wildfire that had burned its way through communities and wilderness northwest of Los Angeles, you will remember that, we all watched in horror, became the largest blaze ever officially recorded in California. That fire scorched 273,400 acres and destroyed more than 700 homes, the most ever. Today, one year later, the leading headlines across the country today is the intensifying winter storm. Creates travel chaos ahead of Christmas. Our nation is not on fire today, nor is California, but it is certainly under a cold weather alert across the country, even here in the Northwest. Major winter storm, the story says, it's in a number of of, um, news sources today, newspapers and online and on the air. Major news, um, winter storm is already impacting travel plans across the country. As of Thursday morning, today, at least 1,540 flights have been canceled within, into, or out of the U.S., according to Flightware. That's a organization that tracks those kinds of things. The majority of flight cancellations are from Chicago, uh, International, and Denver, 215 and 119 canceled flights. Southwest Airlines says weather conditions caused by winter storms are resulting in multiple disruptions across the country. East Coast, Midwest, Northeast. They don't mention the Northwest much. I guess our weather out here doesn't matter to them. It does to us, though. It says 100 motorists are stranded on on a South Dakota freeway. Blizzard conditions left more than 100 drivers and passengers stranded on Interstate 90 between Rapid City and Wall in South Dakota. And it goes on and on and on. Not good for... It's really sad that the weather turned so bad just before Christmas, but it is what it is. And so we deal with it. Isaiah the prophet probably did not fully understand what it was that he was saying, because he was speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And often the prophets of the Old Testament wrote beyond what they could humanly understand or, or that they knew, I mean, could fully grasp at the time they were writing it. I would, I would suspect that that was the case with Isaiah, although he kind of knew what he was talking about as well because he had read the Old Testament. He was very, very much aware of what other prophets had said. But in chapter 9 of Isaiah, these famous words, often quoted Isaiah wrote, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath that light shined. Then in verse 6 he wrote, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. I want to talk to you a little bit today about light and darkness. Robert Knight wrote an article yesterday, and he said, in the article, he said, These days many people seem more and more attracted to darkness. And sometimes, he said, the truth takes a while to get out. It can be like the dawn breaking with gradual expansion of light before the sun rises. But it will get out. Oh, that caught my attention. It certainly, it certainly will get out. I want to talk a little bit about darkness, then I want to talk about light. Jesus is the light of the world. But first, let's talk a little bit about darkness. And I wanted to just let you know that I'm going to be taking off next week, the week between Christmas and New Year's. Um, I need a break. And I haven't had one for quite a long time, as you know if you listen regularly. We're going to be running some reruns next week, and I will be gone on Monday, the 2nd of January as well. I'll be back live the 3rd. So I'm going to be gone six days, six weekdays, and all next week, and then Monday of after the 1st of the year. I'll be back on Tuesday, the the what would that be, the 3rd? Uh, Tuesday, I'll be back live. Again, and we will carry on as we have. And I mean, as I said, we'll run some reruns, and uh, they may be programs you haven't heard or haven't seen on the podcast that you can check out on our website. We have five five of them up at all times, and then there's one is always replaced, and uh, they're put up by one of the stations that carry carries our, this program. I think it's K. I think it's the Seattle station. I'm not sure, but anyway, there's an ad on there. It's not—we don't—it's not our advertisement, but there's an advertisement. Then you can go to our podcast and check it out. Those of you in the Spokane area can also uh, tune in to KT, KTW on Saturday mornings. They run uh, all five of our programs back to back for two and a half hours. And so, uh, if you've missed—if that isn't enough, and it probably is. Uh, you may hear some programs rerun that you missed in the process of listening to our live broadcast every day. So anyway, thank you. And thank you for continuing to support us. We need your support. I I, I don't like to mention it a lot on the program. I I like to talk about what we talk about here. But just to know that we do need your support. uh, These are, are challenging times. And thank you for standing with us. And thank you for standing with us. When I take a few days off, because the budget, I'd love to shut the budget down while I'm I'm gone, taking a few days off, but I can't. So it keeps rolling while I'm catching my breath and getting ready for um, the days and weeks to come. So anyway, thank you for understanding. And that's what will be happening in that regard. I want to talk to you a little bit about the darkness. Oh, our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. If you want to write a check and get it to us, uh, just date it before the end of the year if you want it to be dated in this year. And uh, we credit all of our contributions by check uh, on, the date, on the date that's on the check, not the day we receive it. So if you want to get a contribution in, pray about what God may speak to you to do. Thank you in advance. We need it. Our address, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. On October 27, 1997, Oregon, and on March 5, 2009, Washington State, both embraced assisted suicide. It came out of the closet. It was legalized. A darkness had settled over the land. Some of us who actively opposed it were dismissed as right-wing activists trying to hold on to the past. In fact, someone told me that to my face on the radio, live, interviewing. It wasn't meant to be a kind remark, but it was, I guess in a way, they were kind of right. There was a time when life was sanctified. The sanctity of life was kind of the moral law of the land, but not anymore. No, we've moved past that. We're progressive. Now life is under attack from conception to death. That's why the Bible so often refers to the coming of Jesus Christ, whether it is in the manger or the coming of his ministry as an adult or even about his death and resurrection. There is always talk about the light because the the darkness of this world is just overwhelming and it is terrifying to the person who has no moral pinnings or no moral guidance. The end-of-life conversation, which for so long was conducted in apprehensive kind of hushed tones, finally worked its way into the uh, mainstream media and into medical practice. Nearly eight years ago, December the 23rd, 2014, Canadian journalist Andre Pickard, he wrote an article that was printed in a number of newspapers. He said, there is no question the public is well ahead of lawmakers in their views of assisted suicide with polls showing overwhelming support for it. That was December 23rd, 2014. He said, but this doesn't mean Canadians, he was writing from Canada, will be opting for assisted death in large numbers. On the contrary, he said the experience of jurisdictions with right to life legislate or right to die legislation shows that it remains a marginal choice. He said, that's the key. The debate is really about choice. Well, if that sounds familiar or vaguely familiar to you, it is. It's the same case that abortion activists make for killing unwanted, unborn babies. So unwanted, unborn babies are killed because it's a choice. And now the elderly, the old, or the infirm, or maybe the young, and I'll get to that in a moment, can kill themselves with the assistance of a doctor for some of the same reasons. Now Canada leads, in advancing, leads the world in advancing what they call Medical Assistance in Dying, or MAID, M-A-I-D is the acronym. They're advocating the death movement so fast that even New York Times this week is asking, here is their headline, it said, Is Choosing Death Too Easy in Canada? But I thought it was supposed to be sort of a sideline, incidental, just a choice and not anything that finds its way into the mainstream. Oh, no. That's always the sort of the introduction. That's the seduction of killing people that are no longer productive or no, no longer wanted. Since the government expanded the eligibility of, for assisted death last year to include those with disabilities in Canada, critics have been saying there should be more checks and balances, the New York Times says. The Times says last year Canada changed its assisted death law permitting people with chronic, grievous, irremediable conditions and physical disabilities to commit suicide even if they are not terminally ill. Although the Canadian law, the Times says, was hotly debated in 2016 when it was originally enacted, it has won broad public acceptance since then with polls showing strong support. But what about the sort of, well, it's not going to affect that many people. It's kind of a a side issue, but it could be helpful for those, you know, and so on. That's what they were saying when they introduced this. Well, through December of 2021, this year's stats are not out, but I can promise you they're exponentially more than last year. But last year through December 2021 in Canada, 31,664 have received assisted deaths. Of those 224 who died last year were not terminally ill. They were simply taking advantage of last year's amendment. They felt they had no reason to live. Some say that the law's expansions, Canada is turning assisted suicide into an almost routine medical option. The New York Times says this. They're not exactly the bastion of moral guidance and leadership. Instead of treating it as an extraordinary measure taken in limited situations, it is becoming a medical routine option. National Review got a hold of this, and they're writing about it. In fact, most Christian or religious or conservative uh, news organizations are writing about it yesterday and this morning, and they should be. I'm happy that they are. The National Review says America's culture war over the question of when human life begins has been joined by those who want to reshape how human life ends. The Review says the debate over legalizing physician-assisted suicide began in Oregon nearly 30 years ago. The scheme in which doctors prescribe lethal drugs and guidance for patients who want to end their lives was sold to the public as death with dignity and carefully restricted to individuals 18 and older who had an incurable or irreversible terminal illness and were not expected to live beyond six months. But oh, how that has changed. They say the novel approach to end-of-life care ran contrary to laws in all 50 states, but it didn't matter. They went ahead with it. And that's true. They did. And so did Washington State, as I said, made it a crime to assist a fellow human being in committing suicide. There are laws against this. And what about the doctors, the physicians? I've had this conversation. I traveled around Washington State with uh, several different doctors from the Christian Medical and Dental Association, a fantastic group of doctors. There's Thousands of them are members of that across the country. I traveled with different ones, including the head of the organization, and man, we were at any place we could get a speaking engagement, and we would go in, and I would talk, and the doctor that I was with uh, would would talk, and, and we made our case anywhere and everywhere we could around the state, and man, the media just took shots. I mean, I don't care, but the media just took shots all the time, and they were trying to say, these guys are trying to hold on to the past, and you know, Randall this and that and so on. But it is, and I tried to make the case once and somebody said, you're not a lawyer and a a news guy. But, you know, it, it does break the law. I mean, it is kind of illegal to kill people. I don't know. But anyway, this is where we are. And now I had also made the statement and some of you listening may have been in some of those meetings. I don't know, but... You may have heard me, but I tried to make the case as often as I could about the fact of, what about the Hippocratic Oath? I mean, does anybody in the doctor world prescribe to that anymore? The Hippocratic Oath says, neither will I administer a poison to anybody when asked to do so, nor will I suggest such a course. Didn't they take that oath? And some told me, they said, no, some of us aren't taking that oath anymore, so I don't know. But anyway, it's a sad, sad deal. It's it's the essence of darkness. When you are dealing with killing unwanted, unborn babies, and at the same time, in a parallel track in the culture, you're devising these schemes to guilt old people, elderly, who feel they're not productive anymore, and they're costing the state a lot of money because of social you know, programs, Medicare, Medicaid, etc., and they're costing a lot of money or they're costing their family or both the state and the family a lot of money and a lot of care, I'm sure there's a point where a person would feel sort of guilty for being a burden. Good and decent people, and most people are good and decent in the sense that they want to do the right thing. We've all sinned, for sure, and we do sin, but That is a part of this component that isn't talked about, because people sometimes, when they're no longer productive, and they can't take care of themselves, and they can't do the things that they once did, we all will get there if we live long enough. And the Lord doesn't return, and he might very soon. But we'll all get there. And so we find ourselves now... Sort of putting these programs out there as kind of part of a social program. These are options. These are choices that the media and the advocates like to say. With these assurances in place, they're moving this forward. In fact, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court found that there was no constitutional right to assisted suicide. But they've moved this thing and they keep pushing it forward. These proponents contend that the hastening death wasn't the same as killing and that compassion, not cost-cutting, was their sole motivation. But it isn't. It is not. It may be for some. I mean, they may be so, their conscience so seared, they don't know the difference. But for the most part, it isn't that. Canada is moving full speed ahead thanks to this Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. They're calling him the doctor of death, some of the people, the conservatives in Canada, the slippery slope foreseen by opponents is now being stumbled down in broad daylight immediately. After his first federal election in 2015, he started moving the party in a number of directions, but this was one of them. And they created, Parliament created the Medical Assistance and Dying Act made. Now, I know that most of you listening today are not in Canada. I understand that. But I am telling you, this is on its way to America. The same nutcases in Canada that are intent, under the guise of choice, killing unwanted babies and killing unwanted elderly or people now, they've amended it, to people that are mentally ill. And even Parliament now has said, well, wait a minute, that may be too far. So they put a, a hold on that. But that has already been put into law except there's a hold on it and it's to take effect in march of 2023 just three months from now so trudeau keeps pushing this thing forward and of course not to be outdone i'm sure president biden will stumble onto this idea and he'll think it's a great idea and a casio cortez or whomever will tell him oh yeah that's great or somebody under 20 will tell him oh yeah that's a great thing yeah we need to have that that's choice and that's progress and blah 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 but boy it's it's sad and it is the essence of darkness and today uh, we're beginning to see the consequences reports of abuse in Canada's assisted death suicide uh, system including there's coercion now starting to show up the vulnerable sick people in, in hospital attendance they've they've been made to reconsider this death option and and on and on it goes and I don't have time to get into all of the all of the parts of it. But the National Review asked in their article, they said, where will this social experiment lead? It is no longer a dystopian fantasy to envision that an artificial intelligence algorithm instead of a medical professional could come to determine made eligibility. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that push-button technology will allow for self-administered death by nitrogen gas. Such changes would cut the physician completely out of the unsavory business of intentionally ending life. And (laughs) this is not just thought. It's actually being considered. In the Netherlands, first European country to legalize euthanasia, and they're looking at the possible... uh, possibility of putting little chambers where people can go to take their own life and they push the buttons and there's not not actually a doctor assisting them, so it takes away the liability, but it it gives people the opportunity of choice. In the end, it will always be easier to kill people than care for them in the mind of a progressive. It is sad. Robert Knight said, I quoted earlier, these days many people seem more and more attracted to darkness and sometimes the truth takes a while to get out. It can take could be like the light dawning uh, like dawn breaking with gradual expansion of light before the sun comes out, but it will get out. He went on in the piece that he wrote night. He said, have you ever boarded an airliner? This caught my attention because I traveled a lot when I was involved in missionary work in around the world, mostly, but not all in third world countries. But he said, have you ever boarded an airliner during a rainstorm and then minutes later broken through the clouds to bright sunshine? It can be quite startling. He said, people blink like moles emerging from their burrow. He said, the sun has been there all along, of course. But when we're unable to see it from below, we can forget how bright it can be. The people that walked in darkness had seen a great light. Sometimes we blink when we see that great light, but that's how believers view the world under God. No matter how bad things get, there's a creator God who loves us and inspires hope in our life and the next life, and sometimes we're even blinded by that light. It's so God's God's word and God's truth is so pure in a polluted, dark world. That's the message of Christmas. During the darkest month of the year, when daylight is scarce, we celebrate the coming of the Savior who brought eternal light and life and love and truth to an unforgiving world. That's the message of Christmas. Christians exchange gifts, and I know some people have a problem with that, but we exchange gifts to commemorate God's ultimate gift to us, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born to a virgin in a barn. In a stable, Christmas lights represent the divine light that overcomes the darkness. The Apostle John wrote that the light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. They don't get it. They don't see the truth. And they stumble on, whether it's Trudeau in Canada killing people that don't want to live anymore or that he doesn't want to live anymore, his a government. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Twisting scripture to certify marriage, to same sex, and on and on it goes. It doesn't matter, but they stumble along in darkness and suddenly there is a light. And the light shineth. And those who embrace the Son of God as their Savior, Jesus Christ, we begin to see things, we begin to see the truth, we begin to see life as it is, as God would have it. But those who reject that or do not comprehend Stumble on in the darkness. Right now, unfortunately, many people seem to be more and more attracted to the darkness. In fact, dark themes permeate our our entertainment, and especially the films, our ruling elites, are recasting sin as virtue. They're turning virtue into sin and daring us to object. If we object, we'll be shut down. We'll be taken off social media. We'll be fined. We'll be somehow punished. We can only imagine what God thought of President Biden when he lit up the White House here just last week in rainbow colors, to celebrate the signing of what they called Respect for Marriage Act. There has never been a human action on the planet that has been more disrespectful to the union of a man and a woman in marriage, an institution that God himself created. Utterly disrespects marriage, as it's defined in the Old and the New Testament. President Obama did the same thing in 2015, when the Supreme Court's same-sex marriage ruling. The upshot of those rulings, the Respect for Marriage Act, is that biblical sexual morality and even biological truth are now a form of bigotry, and it's actionable by law. If you don't agree with them, they're going to get you. They'll punish you. That's the world we live in. But I will tell you, stay true. I know the New Agers use the word life or light very loosely but i'm talking about jesus christ the light of the world stay focused on him i'll see you tomorrow
0: three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells